podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Questo suono dal Sud America fino giù in Senegal, profumo d'Africa nella Nuova Guinea. La sentirai in Albania che assomiglia a casa mia. Riparte dal Belgio, arriva in Croazia, Slovacchia, Polonia e Romania. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Worldwide Series. This is a series all about our fans. I'm convinced we have the best fans in the world, so I wanted to give our fans a platform where they can speak their minds, and this way you, the listener, can hear some opinions and viewpoints that are different from my own. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're heading to Slovakia for today's episode. We intentionally waited until after the season ended to record this episode for reasons which we'll get to shortly. But first, let me introduce today's guest, Pier Luigi. Welcome to Fortsanopoli. Hi, Joe, and thanks for having me. I'm I'm a fan of your podcast, and I'm I'm really happy to be with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always I, I've said this time and time again. This is one of my favorite things to do. I get to to talk and interact with Napoli fans all over the world, which has been a lot of fun, and it's it's really brought this at least online community together. So, you know, I've been looking forward to this. We've been actually talking on Instagram for a while now. Uh, you only joined Twitter recently, so the larger Twitter community may not recognize you by name. In fact, you mentioned to me that you only joined after we recorded Forza Napoli Worldwide with Rafa from Far From Vesuvius, right? That's correct. That's correct. I, n- I never used the Twitter, but, you know, I was curious. And by listening to your podcast, I decided to sign in. And uh, yeah, but I'm not very active on uh, on Twitter. That's okay. It's a, it's an interesting community. There's a lot of good. There's there's some not so good. But I, I still think that's pretty cool. I mean, like I said, this series has been all about bringing our fans together. So I love stories like that. And Speaking of stories, yours is unique. It's fascinating. So I can't wait for you to tell it. Let's start from the very beginning and just how did you become an Apple fan? Well, can I, if you don't mind, just start by apologizing for my English because I mean, I, I'm not native uh, English speaker. So I might do a lot of grammar mistake and also my pronunciation is not the best. So that would be the first from, from me just to apologize with your uh, audience. So how did I become a Napoli fan, you ask, right? Yep. Uh, I, I, I was born in Napoli, so it was kind of uh, natural to be a Napoli fan. I'm uh, 47 years old, and I was born in Napoli and raised in, uh, in Pozzuoli, which is, uh, I don't know if you know that city. It's a, it's a lovely city nearby Napoli. It's five, ten kilometers from the stadium in Sao Paulo. So it's funny because I've only just learned about it and about Pozzuoli. And, and it's because, as you know from the podcast, I play a lot of music from Napolitan artists. And just recently, a friend of mine forwarded me a, a video of a, a folk music festival that's done in Pozzuoli. The Pozzu- I assume it's in Pozzuoli, the folk festival. So that's that's as far as I know about the city. No, it's it's a lovely it's a lovely city and it's very close to Napoli. So it's very convenient actually to live there because it's smaller than Napoli. It's beautiful as well and it's very easy to be connected with Napoli. So basically, the club chose you in a way because when you're born there. You can't really cheer for anyone else but Napoli, right? Yes, but 
you have also to consider that uh, when I was born, Napoli was, let's say, a medium-sized club. Right. We never won a title before Maradona. So I remember in my elementary class, just to make an example, I think it was like 50-50. So we were like split in half, half Napoli fans and half supporting that club that I don't even like to name. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think we can guess which one. You mentioned elementary class. At that age, you also played football a little bit, right? I did. I did. And I don't know if I can, if I can tell you this story. I was probably nine, ten years old. So it was summer and my father was reading a newspaper and he suddenly asked me if I wanted to learn how to play proper football, you know. And of course, for a kid of that age, I was, I was super happy. And then he mentioned that there was like a, a Napoli football school. And, uh, and he wanted to, to sign me in. So, so he did. I wasn't really happy to go to a school, even if it was for football. <laughs> Never liked the school. But uh, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I remember we trained like twice a week mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday and on Thursday. I even remember the, the days. Uh, we trained at the, I don't know if you know, the training center Paradiso. It was mm-hmm. the the old one. So even even Maradona trained there. And now sadly is just a bunch of, of ruins, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was uh, it, it was nice. It was a bit vintage and retro, but still. Yeah, I'm um, I'm just finally getting around to reading John Ludden's book called Maradona Once Upon a Time in Naples. And I think he referenced it. And I, I mean, I guess for a kid training there, it's it's okay. But uh, it didn't sound exactly like paradise to me. It sounded maybe a little bit beat up. It was uh, really old school. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's still pretty cool that you trained at the same place that Maradona did. And even we trained at San Paolo. I sent you a picture uh, mm-hmm. of me at the San Paolo. So on Thursday, we played at the, at the San Paolo. And the first squad also trained there. That in itself, is, I think, is really, really cool. And Imagine for a kid supporting Napoli to be there and I, I could see the, the, the players of my beloved team, you know? Yes, exactly. And, and you have a funny story about one of those players. So this was in the early 80s and our star player at the time was Rudy Kroll. Before you tell your story, let me tell some of our younger listeners a little bit about Kroll in case... They don't know who he is because for I think a lot of our certainly our younger fans, most of them didn't get to see Maradona play, let alone anything before that. So this was just before Maradona signed. It was in the early 80s. He was a, a Dutch defender who was 31 years of age when we signed him. So he played for us in the latter stages of his career, but he was still very, very good. Our general manager at the time was Antonio Giuliano, who actually flew to my home country of Canada to sign Kroll from the Vancouver Whitecaps. This was about 30 years before Vancouver joined the MLS and actually 15 years before MLS even existed. We got him from Vancouver, but Kroll really made his name playing with Ajax alongside legendary Dutch player and coach now Johan Cruyff. They also played together for the Dutch international team for nearly a decade. 
Now, at Napoli, Kroll had a very successful first season with us. He wore the captain's armband, and he led us pretty close to winning our first Scudetto, but in typical Napolitan fashion, after a run of 16 games without a loss, we lost to bottom-of-the-table Perugia with only four or five matches to play, and that pretty much ended our Scudetto hopes that season. We ended up finishing in third place after losing our final two matches. Kroll was still named the best foreign player in Serie A because that was the first ever season that Serie A actually allowed foreign players in the league. We went on to finish in fourth place the following season and Kroll ended up making 107 appearances before injuries kind of slowed him down. He would later say that Napoli was a dream and if he didn't break his leg he would have stayed there for life. So Pierluigi with that build up on what a great player Kroll was, why don't you go ahead and tell your Rudy Kroll story? Yeah, so as you said, Kroll was probably one of the best top quality players ever played in in Napoli, together with Maradona. And if I can add, Kroll with the Dutch national team uh, reached twice the final in the World Cup in uh, 74 and 78. Mm -hmm. They lost in both, I think in 74 uh, against Argentina and 74 against Germany. Uh, But still, I think that uh, Netherlands national team inspired uh, later on uh, Milan uh, of Saki and also Guardiola and uh, and Sarri, most probably. You know, it was like modern football, football, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was was a hero, you know, he was like top player. And I was in love with him and I think everybody in Napoli was. So... Because I was training and I could see him quite close, I one day I decided to approach him and uh, ask for a signature for an autograph. And so at the end of the training section, I went down to the player's uh, parking uh, uh, spot and I tried to approach him, you know, and, uh, and there were a couple of uh, press agents or like journalists around him and I was there, you know, with a piece of paper and I asked him to sign it. And unfortunately, I don't know, probably he wasn't in the best mood or uh, whatever. He just ignored me and uh, he entered his car and he drove almost over my route. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, it went this way. I think it's pretty funny. I intentionally made this really big build-up for a, a bit of a, a letdown story, but you know it's still a cool one. I, I guess with these players, they you know they deal with that a lot, especially in in a place like Napoli, where players in some cases are considered gods, and even the ones that aren't, they're still very very highly regarded. They are the the celebrities of the city, right? And when you only have one one sports team, there's a lot of focus on the players, and and that was at a time where, like you said. Napoli was maybe a, a medium table club, mid-sized club, but uh, on the verge of becoming a, a very big one. You had the pleasure of going to quite a few games at the San Paolo at a time that was a very exciting time for everyone in Napoli. What was it like visiting the San Paolo, especially in 84, obviously, when we signed Maradona? Yeah, I started to go to San Paolo in, I don't have a precise memory, but I would say in, in, in the early 80s. And it was already, even before Maradona, it was a huge happening, you know, to go to, to San Paolo. I remember my uncles 
they brought me with them and already it was like huge crowd and even as i said even before maradona i remember like we had to go there to find a seat three four hours before the kickoff and it was full full really like almost full full stadium and then maradona signed so it, it went even uh, even more i mean imagine for for a 10 years old 12 years old kid to enter a full stadium full of grown men just singing and cheering and jumping it was an incredible uh, atmosphere uh, a lot of passion and and even if i can say mm-hmm. even to get inside the stadium it was like an experience because there was kind of a, an uh, unwritten rule that kids didn't pay to enter so my father or my my uncles never bought a ticket for me they had their home and then they tried to convince the staff at the entrance you know to let me in so eventually i managed every time but it was like you know funny to see how they try to convince the guy like ah come on he's a little guy you know and it's the first time at sao paulo i promise him and you know so even to pass through the gate it was a kind of adventure you know i guess it was your first time a lot of times because you said that uh, your yeah. father had season tickets yes 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 <laughs> <laughs> even the the season 85 86 so it was the second season of uh, of maradona uh, my father bought a season ticket and not even a cheap one because he bought in a tribune but he bought only this one season ticket so i watched every single match that season but never with a ticket so it was every time like going with him you know he was suggesting me get a bit down you know just try to not seem that or to not seem older <laughs> or bigger than yeah. you are you know just i can play that you are just a, a small one you know and 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 imagine that it was so crowded that i basically didn't see much you know of mm-hmm. the of the match itself because because i i could have in front of me bigger person and so what i remember it's especially the atmosphere especially the passion of the crowd cheering and supporting the, the club and the team yeah i don't know if we'll ever see something like that again to be honest especially now with everything that's going on Thankfully, it sounds like we're going to start allowing fans back into stadiums, but whether it'll ever get to that type of capacity and and the crowds that Maradona drew may not ever happen again. You moved in 1986 to Milano. Of course, we won our first Scudetto ever in the 86-87 campaign. So were you disappointed to not be there for those celebrations? Well, of course I was. Of course I was. Imagine like... I used to follow uh, quite constantly and then uh, first time Napoli uh, won a proper title I wasn't there so I was I was very disappointed yeah yeah unfortunately the the sad reality of of living in Napoli is that there's not exactly a lot of work so I imagine that was the reason why your family moved yeah it was I mean my family had a job they were lucky enough but 
they choose to move to north to have better opportunities, even for, for me and, and my sister, for the family. I mean, You mentioned moving to the north. The divide between the north and the south is pretty well documented. What was it like for a Napolitan family living in the north of Italy? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy. And I mean, I don't want to play like a victim and uh, I don't want to stress out the difference between uh, north and south. But let's say that people from south are not that welcome in the north. It was always like this and it is still now. Uh, there, there are reasons. I mean, uh, they are not just people from north are not crazy. There are reasons, but still, I think it's most of the time it's unfair, or at least it's prejudice, you know. But you did still manage to get to see some games, even in when you were living in the north. You've sent me a bunch of pictures. Again, I'll, I'll post all of these on on social media when the episode posts. But uh, you kept a bunch of ticket stubs from games where Napoli was visiting Lombardia, and you got to see some away matches. What was the experience like watching Napoli as the visiting team? It was a nice experience. I, at the time, I was still like let's say a teenager, and of course full of passion. I was quite committed to watch Napoli and. It gave me also the opportunity to see something different, you know, because born and raised in Napoli, as we said, it, it's kind of natural to be a Napoli fan, but keep following Napoli also from uh, far away. It really made my loyalty, let's say, stronger, if I can use this, uh, this word. Yeah. So yeah. I was that committed that I traveled not only in the region, also to Genova, to Torino, to Bologna, so all kind of football match in the north, if I could, I tried to go. Okay, and then you continued to follow the club, even though you would later move away from from Italy. I guess this would have been around the mid-2000s that you started moving around Europe. So I have two questions for you. First, where have you lived over the last 15 years and second, what's it been like following Napoli in some of these other countries around Europe, but obviously outside of Italy? So I have to make kind of list you know, to mention the countries I lived. I started even before the middle 2000, because already in the early 2000, I started to move abroad. Because honestly, I didn't feel welcome in north of Italy. So for me, it wasn't such big step to move abroad. And in 2007, I moved to Dublin in Ireland. Then I moved to Innsbruck in Austria. Then I moved to Czech Republic. And then I moved to Poland, Krakow. And uh, now I'm in, uh, in Slovakia, in, uh, in Bratislava. Okay, and, and you've still managed to catch quite a few games, even living abroad, right? Yes, yes, I did. I did. Probably in Italy... My last one was at the beginning of the 2006-2007 season, if I'm not mistaken. I went to Udine. I think it was the first year of Napoli back in Serie A. And we, uh-huh. we, we had a big uh, win, I think 5-0 against Udinese. And then I managed to follow Napoli also in Europe. The first time it was in, uh, in Lisbon. We played against Benfica, 
I think it was 2008, and that was an unfortunate match because the, the first leg we won uh, like 3 2. We, we played really well. We deserved to win even more. And then there was the second leg in the capital of Portugal, but unfortunately, we didn't manage to pass. Okay, so you said you're currently living in Slovakia. I think it's safe to say that that was a good choice. You met your partner there. How did that happen? Ah, that happened because there was a football match, Slovan Bratislava, against Napoli in 2014 for uh, the, the Europe League. And yeah, I decided to watch it. And then I visited the, the city. And the day after the match, I met uh, a girl. And we are still together. So it's funny because I went to Bratislava to follow my, my love, like my, my beloved football club. And I also found love or I found my soulmate. So football sometimes can also bring this, uh, these opportunities. There you go. I think maybe that was, you were meant to move around and, and you've been there for a while now. So it sounds like you're, you're going to stay put there, right? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Crossing fingers. <laughs> well, I know she's nearby, so I hope, <laughs> I hope she, uh, she heard that. But uh, of course, Slovakia is the home of one of our greatest players to, to ever wear the Napoli shirt. Uh, Stanislav Lobotka. <laughs> of course, I mean Marek Hamsik. Uh, he's obviously a club legend. Is is there a large contingent of Napoli fans in Slovakia because of Marek Jaro? To be honest, I don't know. I mean, generally speaking, I can see that uh, if I ever mention that I'm Napoli fan, there is kind of a positive vibe around me. And it was the same like in Poland because of uh, Milik and... Uh, and Zielinski. So I think it's it's natural, you know, if you if you go to a country and there is a football famous football player playing for your team, so you, you can find some sympathy around you. But honestly I don't know any any Napoli fan in, in Slovakia. I would be glad to meet someone. Yeah. Well maybe you know what, let's see what we can do. We'll see if we can find some people to connect you with online. You know, we've even seen it with some of our recent signings that and I think it's part of the club's marketing strategy if you will to sometimes sign players from not even just outside of italy but outside of europe because you do get a bit of a following because of that player we've seen it with lozano who now has a big napoli following in mexico we've seen it with victor osiman who now has a big napoli following in nigeria so it does kind of make sense and it does seem at least partly intentional one thing i wanted to ask you about is in some of our conversations you mentioned that you would probably describe yourself more as an ultra than as a fan. Is that accurate? And, and if so, what do you consider the difference? It is, it is. I mean, I, I am an ultras rather than, uh, I call it simple fan, but it's not to demean the normal fan. The, the difference is basically in the way you watch and follow the match. Consider that, of course, I started as a fan. So... At the stadium, like I was surrounded by people that were like, they would rather comment on what was happening on, on the field. So they were like, you know, good pass, good kick, and good save, whatever. The ultras is something different because I understood that I 
enjoyed more to support and to cheer the team. And the difference also is that as an ultras, you do that, it's kind of duty, let's say, and you do it regardless of the, the result. Sometimes even while losing, you need to cheer louder because your goal is to push the team to come back in the result. I don't know if it makes sense, you know? Yeah, it does. You know, in, in North American sports, they talk about, you know, the 12th man or in, in other sports, the 6th man. It's, it's a bit more than just uh, watching, just spectating. It's, uh, I guess, being more involved. Although I would say that's almost in between, as you said, the, the average fan and, and the really hardcore ultras. Because then there's also a lot of writing on the difference culturally with ultras there was a really good episode of golazzo the italian football show which is another podcast that i I recommend they did a two-part series on on ultra culture and they had an author named tobias jones as a guest he's written a book called ultra the underworld of italian football and it was all about how ultras are are very involved in politics some of the dealings with the clubs sometimes it involves illegal activities whether it's making money through mafia or kamora or things like that so there's there's a whole other culture out there if anyone wants to learn more about the ultra culture definitely check out at least that podcast if not that book um i I do want to talk about your current relationship with the club if you will and what i mean by that is something that i mentioned at the top of the episode which is that we intentionally kept this podcast for after the season ended because you don't actually watch a lot of games nowadays. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. I mean, so what happened? Like, I was actively watching and supporting Napoli, but first because I I moved abroad and so I could uh, follow only the international competition and second, because because once I was in 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 Poland in uh, 2017, I started not to feel well, and basically after some uh, medical checkup and uh, blood test and so on, the doctors found out that uh, I had and hopefully I can use the past uh, a blood tumor, a lymphoma, which is kind of leukemia, and so I. After a while, I was hospitalized, and that was basically at the end of the second season of, of Sarri in Napoli. And since then, I kind of enjoyed watching, even on TV, Napoli. But that year, it was the starting of the third season of Sarri, and you know the, the season of 91 points. Unfortunately, I couldn't manage to to watch the match because it was kind of stressful. I I went through really tough chemo therapy, so it, I, I had to make a decision. I I, I was also very weak, and uh, you know, I I decide basically for health rather than uh, you know the football passion or passion for for Napoli. So it's it's one of the reasons I basically slow down and I don't follow that much anymore 
Napoli, especially on TV. But, uh, you know, slowly I'm, uh, I'm getting better and uh, hopefully, maybe even this season, uh, if COVID allows us, I hope I can get back and start to follow again uh, Napoli. Well, first of all, I'm really glad to hear that, that your health is improving. That's obviously most important. It's a very sad story to hear, you know, if going back to the beginning of the episode, being born in Napoli, growing up a Napoli fan, playing for the youth club, continuing to follow Napoli, even when you move to the north and then outside of Italy. It's very sad that you had to make that choice for the sake of your health. And, you know, I hope that gives the rest of our listeners a better appreciation for for their health if they're so fortunate as I am to be able to watch and it's absolutely stressful and I can appreciate why you had to make that that decision because it can be very very stressful especially when the club means so much to us I think in some ways for the the more casual fan maybe it isn't so stressful because they're they're a casual fan so by definition they're not as committed necessarily that's nothing wrong with that that's just how they follow the club. I am glad that you are still able to, you mentioned you still follow the results, even even if you don't necessarily watch the games. And I think it would be a beautiful next chapter to your story for you to be able to continue to watch again, maybe slowly, maybe a game here or there on TV, maybe against a weaker opposition, even though those are not necessarily guaranteed wins for us. And then ultimately back at what's now known as the Maradona, where where you started uh, following the club. But I also am very grateful for you to share that story because I know it's not easy for people to talk about their health. And so that that's um, important to me. And, and the other thing I would say is that I find your story is, it seems a lot of it was sort of fated or destined to be that way. I think if if you didn't move out of Napoli, then you, you wouldn't have met your partner who you've, you've now been with for, was it seven years, something like that? Yeah. So that's something in itself and and i think you and i never would have come across each other if uh you know because that's how you follow the club now through sort of other other means so i i think a lot of these things might have just been destined to happen this way and i i hope that that destiny used to include uh, watching the game live again watching the team live again i think that would be something really special of course, of course. Why? And uh, you never know, Joe. Maybe you can join me and we can go to watch some uh, European uh, match of Napoli. Absolutely. You know, after the last year and a half, it, funny story, I, I happen to work at an airport. Um, and a lot of people think that that means I get cheap flights. But the reality is that actually all I do is charge the airlines money. So they don't get, <laughs> they're not exactly lining up to give me freebies, but I definitely have a lot of traveling to make up for. And, and I've, I've met so many great people online that I definitely have to make my way over to Europe at some point and, and get to a few games. And, and even if it's not to watch a game, but to meet some of the people like yourself that I've interacted with, I would absolutely love to do that. So I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Before I let you go, Pierluigi, if there's anything else you wanted to add, I'll give you the floor. Well, you know, I have one last thing, if yes. possible, that I would like to share. It's kind of my, let's say, dream. But okay. I, would, I would like to see one day uh, Napoli to be quite entirely composed of Neapolitans or at least Southern players. You know, kind of athletic Bilbao. 
Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, they have only players from Basque region or originally from there. And I think, you know, it would be nice. It would be nice to see Napoli as a, as a symbol of our territory, as a symbol even of the whole uh, Mediterranean uh, area, because that, that's part of our uh, origin and we should be proud of it. You know, uh, Napoli in Greek means it's Neapolis, which means like new city. And I don't know, maybe, maybe one day this will be possible. I don't care about winning a title or cup, you know. I think it's more important to have a club that fight or that plays for the people, for the fans, for the supporters. Yeah, that would be interesting. There's definitely a lot of talented players coming out of the South and coming out of Napoli. And even if not necessarily entire team composed of Napolitano players, I, I think it would be nice to see at least our, our youth development improve so that we get to retain some of the talent. Because right now what you see is a lot of the talented young players coming out of Napoli end up moving to other clubs. A little while ago, I posted on social media a starting 11 of Napolitano players. So not even just Southern players, players just from Napoli. And I think that squad would probably have been a mid-table team in Serie A, which is pretty impressive. It's quite a bit of talent there. So I think that would be pretty cool. It probably won't ever happen, to be honest, but it's a fun idea to think about. Pierluigi, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and for telling your stories. I, I've really enjoyed it, and I hope the listeners did too. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. It was really a pleasure and honor for me. Oh, it's my pleasure, and we'll definitely do it again sometime soon, and hopefully we do get to meet somewhere down the road. If you want to follow Pedro, like I said, not terribly active on Twitter, but you can follow him at PedroF839. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. I should be back in the next week or two with another episode of Fortsanopoly Worldwide, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti. Fortsanopoly sempre. Fortsanopoli. Network.